0: brief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. (laughs) Chris, we do care, so don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo?
2: (laughs) This episode of The Ringer F1 Show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive, because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us theringer the ringer to learn more.
0: It is the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Carlos Sainz wins his first Formula One race. It is the British Grand Prix. It is the race of the year. Joining me to break it down is Drew Lawrence from The Guardian. Drew, hello. Hello. And Megan Schuster from the heartbeat of American F1, Minneapolis, Minnesota. What's going on, (laughs) Megan?
3: What's up, guys? This race had me on the edge of my seat for two hours. It was amazing. I... Drew
0: asked if this was the race of the year. I'm actually going back wondering if this is like the race of the last few years from, an, from a just a pure aesthetic racing standpoint. Nothing will beat the heart-pounding drama of of Abu Dhabi last year. That was in a yeah. different category. But just from a wide-open video game style, I'm racking my brain. It's been a few years, Drew.
1: Video game uh, right up to the... Uh... Oh, I didn't, like, I didn't like losing P1, so I'm going to restart the Xbox <laughs> and we're going to go again.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, there's a lot to get to. Let's get to the order. Uh, Signs wins. Checo Perez, out of nowhere, gets second. Lewis Hamilton gets a podium on an extremely strange week for him. Um, we're going to get to that. Leclerc gets fourth. Alonso, fifth. Lando, sixth. Max Verstappen, seventh after a puncture. Mick Schumacher gets his first Our points boy. in Formula One. I think we were all a little <laughs> bit nervous when he was racing Max to the finish there. Terrified. Um, uh, terrified. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel is ninth. Vettel afterwards said he was screaming, go Mick in his car. Um, because he was so happy for his uh, his mentee, Mick. And then Kevin Magnuson, huge week for the Haas Hive. That's why... I mean, Megan. We're both in. We're all, all three of us were in America, and every, you know, it's everybody in the streets. It just is just you know, uh, they poured into the streets to to support. It's, the hot it's all team. anyone's talking about it. Atlanta. America's F1 team. <laughs>
3: People um, just outside right. my apartment shouting for Mick. It's been a really great morning. <laughs> so, so
0: uh, a I, I want to rant here for ten seconds before we get to the um, the particulars of this. There's a lot of things in F1 that when you first get into the sport, you're going to be a little bit. Everybody kind of takes a humble approach, which is, I don't understand uh, tire strategy, for instance, right? Like, that, that, that's how you come in if it's your first race or your second one. You're saying, I don't understand tire strategy, or, I don't understand these pits, or I don't understand, um, you know, what an undercut is. You learn all of these things on the fly. Everybody gets there. Even I had a friend this morning who texted me saying, It's crazy that everybody's sitting around looking at the, the weather report that, oh, because 40% chance of rain, because that completely changes the entire um, tone of the race if there's rain. So there's a lot of things when you're picking up the sport that you're going to take slow. One thing that has no hidden meaning, you don't have to take slow, you don't have to be humble about, is if you're a five-year-old and this is the first time you've seen cars move, Ferrari has no idea what it's doing in strategy. There's no (laughs) hidden meaning here. There's nothing beyond this that you need to understand. We're going to get to some of the nuance and what Ferrari's, um, basically, their, their defense was. Uh, for costing Leclerc a win and a podium, frankly, um, both of those things. But this is a problem they've had forever, and it's just going to keep being a problem forever. Um, so if you don't know, a safety car comes out with 10 laps to go. They have So Sky broke it down. They have 11 seconds to get Leclerc into the pit to get him new tires. They don't do it. There were some generous readings that said maybe it was six seconds. It doesn't matter. It was more than one second. Okay. And they don't, they they leave him out there with old tires, old hearts. The folks that do come in on the safety car are immediately on his tail. He gets passed. That leads to some epic duels and and, and epic dogfights, And thank God for that. Um, but this is a matter of Leclerc being failed again by Ferrari strategy. Afterwards. There was a finger wagging incident where Bonotto basically—it looked like he said, "Don't, don't get mad at anybody." Um, and then, and and Leclerc's uh, explanation for this was he was trying to cheer me up. Listen, you had like five minutes to come up with a better cover story than that, and and you didn't do it. Okay. And on the radio afterwards, he said... Nothing cheers me up like a
1: scolding finger in my face.
0: (laughs) Public scolding. Uh, With cameras involved.
1: With with myriad cameras in orbit.
0: Afterwards, uh, LeClaire on the radio said, the amount of race time we lost in this race, oh my God. The only good thing is Carlos won. But freaking hell, guys. Enjoy the victory. I think he threw an anyway in there as well. All right. We're going to start with this because Carlos gets his first win. It's a celebratory day, as LeClaire said, but this is in the, you know, LeClaire said we're going to look at the global picture um, and look at everybody's race and figure out whether this is a good or a bad thing. Drew, let's start with you. Was this a good or a bad day to be a Ferrari fan? It was a good day in the sense that you had a
1: guy who has become the most beleaguered number two driver uh, on a on a team, standing up for himself and saying, I Ooh. don't trust you guys to get this strategy call right. So I can win this race, back off, nobody talk to me for the next 15 laps. <laughs> and he got it right. And uh, And I feel like in this sport where we're so often frustrated by uh, teams' sort of... Uh, you know, dictating uh, the outcome of uh, on the track. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we have a guy who's like, you know, the guy stood up for himself. The guy, you know, a guy took a major risk, stood up for himself and got his first win in 150 tries. It doesn't get any. The, the second Spanish driver to ever win a Grand Prix, it doesn't get better than that.
0: Megan, uh, Ryan Hun was supposed to be on this episode, uh, Had to, had an emergency and had to cancel. He texted a reader question, which was, what would be the plus minus of points be if Ryan Hunt himself were named head of strategy starting next week?
3: (laughs) I mean, it has to be an immediate positive because, listen, like, even outside of the tire decision with Charles, like... They got strategy wrong all day. I, I even went through and wrote down a list of everything questionable that they did because I yes. couldn't believe all of <laughs> it. So first of all, like they got really lucky with the red flag restart because Max zoomed past Carlos yeah. yes, in man. the in the beginning. And like this would have been a completely different race if there was no restart. Then after Max, you know, sustains damage, they let Charles and Carlos fight for so long that Lewis got within like one and a half seconds of, of Charles, like by not making a decision there and not saying, you know, you have to let Charles pass Carlos or, you know, pitting one of them earlier. Like they single-handedly almost let Lewis back into this race. And then of course, like you said, Drew asking Carlos to drop back to 10 car lengths on the safety car restart, which he straight up said no to, which was (laughs) wise because, Imagine if he had actually done that and how quick Lewis and Checo were with the fresh soft tires, like they could have lost both of those places and it would have been a complete clusterfuck. So all in all, like good day to be a Carlos Sainz fan, horrible day to be a Ferrari <laughs> fan. I have so little confidence in them. So little.
1: But again, as the most beleaguered guy in that garage, to have the courage and the conviction to say, like,
2: yeah. you know if I get this call
1: wrong, they probably don't bring me back next year uh, so uh, i'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand on on faith and hope this all works out, and uh, trust me, you say he's quicker, I'm qu- quicker, I can get you thirty nine seconds, just back off. I loved it, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, let's get to the driver standings. Verstappen remains first with one eighty-one. Checo one forty-seven. Leclerc one thirty-eight. Signs one twenty-seven. Russell one eleven. Hamilton ninety-three. Um, I take it nobody thought this uh, this is some dramatic announcement that anybody knew was in the the title hunt here, guys. <laughs> no, we. Uh, I, I hope only hope that Paris makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, uh, we're going to get to that, but that was I was extremely happy to see him just get in the mix today um, yeah. on a day. And, 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 you know, he was a bit of a maybe because this was how high the bar was for anybody to pay attention to you today. But because he wasn't doing something completely insane, didn't make some huge error, didn't have a puncture like nobody talked about him until he was in podium position with about 10 laps to go. Um, so let's get to, to Red Bull here. Uh, Max gets that puncture. Bad luck for him because Drew, as you alluded to earlier, he had a great start on on the first lap. Um, it gets called back when there's a, a Joe Russell crash, um, and then, by the way, I don't know. I'm sure you guys saw this. There were protesters on the track in the first lap, and if not for that red flag from the Joe Russell crash, there could have been like a historic. Disaster on on lap one because climate protesters decided that they were going to try to stop Formula One traffic, which seems like a pretty stupid thing to do. I didn't. I mi- totally missed the
1: protesters. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean the, that the the second level gate, uh, sort of a um, gate that pr- is supposed to protect the crowd from the yeah. track, barely protected uh, humans right. from the Formula One right. car. So it's like. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that the sort of timberwolf style protests are are going to work on an uh, on that one track. There,
0: there were Nate Nate, Nate Saunders said a reporter on the ground um said that the cars were coming around the corner towards the protesters and and slowed because of the red flag. I don't know if the cars saw the the protesters, but it was that it was that instantaneous um wow. and it was extremely extremely lucky. I will say on the on the um, the Joe crash, Drew that. I saw. Did you see the angles of the co- of the, the Alpha coming into the stands? Because it obviously yeah. went over the barriers. That was amazing. Um, it, it went over the first group of barriers, obviously, did not even, um, it, you know, it, it went up against the wall where the crowd was, but didn't threaten the crowd. There right. were two groups of people in that angle the people that were going up with their cell phones, the people that were <laughs> bailing immediately. And the people that were bailing immediately were the people who have seen a lot of race cars. I'll say that. Yeah. Like that's the people who were going forward to get it on TikTok were the people who maybe, yeah. maybe they just got in through drive to survive. Um, <laughs> Megan, what do you think about max today
3: um so yeah so there was sort of the conspiracy theory of like did he get the sustained car damage from um debris off checo's the car from, yeah from yeah. the collision that he had with charles which i thought was kind of a fun tinfoil hat theory <laughs> that i actually kind of buy yeah. um i did not need as much radio as we got from him today like as soon as he started dropping in the standings and we figured out that it was, you know, sort of a non-critical car issue and he was just going to spend the rest of the race complaining about being a little bit slow. Like I, I would have been fine losing him. It was sort of like in golf when there's a no name leader on the weekend yeah. who just starts <laughs> dropping down the leaderboard and then coverage just completely drops him. And you'd see one shot of his, the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he's like putting on 18 to finish the yeah. round. Like I could have yeah. had that with max today and I would have been just fine.
0: Yeah, and then Jim Nance has to do the, he made a good statement here at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the Colonial.
3: Exactly, exactly. Like, fine race from him. He stuck in it. I think he finished, what, seventh, um, which is, you know, decent points on, on a not great day yeah. and a not, you know, super weekend for him. But, um, yeah, didn't need as much of him as we got.
1: But come on, how cool would it have been if Mick passed him
3: that oh, would be in that
1: final corner? I would have completely lost I, it.
0: He was battling Latifi <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Luff. Like, Luff. What a weekend it was. What a weekend it was for, for Big Max. Um, yeah. what, did, what did you think? I mean, I mean, obviously, at one point it looked like so he, he has the, the carbon damage. He comes in, it's a puncture. He goes in, and then he comes out, and he's still a second off the pace. So there yeah. was something wrong with his car after that. Um, I actually thought when I saw him slow down after, after the pit that his race was going to be over. The fact that he grinded out some points, I, I, I think it's as admirable a job as he could have done given the circumstances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of that is, you know, Red Bull technology. Uh, but, but yeah, I, uh, I give him full marks for first, you know, not sandbagging and coming back and, uh, and fighting his way through the pack and, you know, Holding off, holding off uh, the midfield to, uh, to to book a seventh. I mean, because uh, what the first half of his season was either like, or the first half of this half of the season has either been feast or famine for him. So for him yeah. to like carry a damaged car across the finish line is uh, is huge.
0: So Checo comes out and he grabs that second. And I, again, there was so much chaos in the last ten laps. Um, really, after you know, there, there's a restart on lap forty three. Hamilton immediately passes LeClaire. Um, he has LeClaire and Fandom. Checo are, are battling. And, and, and then it was on lap 46 after that, that Hamilton basically took that. Again, you won't talk about video games. Just taking those spots as two dudes battle to your left. like That was amazing to me. So, great. so good. And then, and then Checo uh, forces Hamilton off the track, but nobody really had a problem with that. They said it was the racing line. Um, there was no, no real uh, instant there, no further action taken from the stewards. Um, this was just a great, solid Checo drive, Drew.
1: Yeah uh although when you're talking about are there th- other things that we should talk about for this pod I was like do I even dare bring up track limits and how <laughs> what a, what a, what a moving target uh, that uh, always is or is, well, should we save that for uh the business end of the season uh, <laughs> but but yeah uh amazing amazing uh drive by him and yeah. uh and yeah, I I really think that he feels like he has a he has a shot of the championship this year. He's driving like a guy who feels like who looks like he can catch he can catch his teammate.
0: Megan, do you agree?
3: He seems so confident right now and just watching him, you know, how they do the little camera um on the guys before they go yeah. up to the podium, watching him and Lewis talk and him being like, you know, it looked like you were coming around this corner. And then Lewis was like, Yeah, you guys were just way too fast for me on the straight and all of this stuff. It just seemed like, you know peers talking and it's like, yeah. hard for anyone to be a peer with Lewis Hamilton like pretty much no one is but um, he seemed very chill and very comfortable being in that spot and I feel like with the year that he's had he's only kind of gaining in confidence which is exciting because watching a, a teammate push Max around the way that he has lately is you know, really cool.
1: Yeah and I wonder what kind of lesson he takes from what Carlos did because he was in this position yeah. a yes. couple of races ago and he played the team game and I wonder if he's going to be like, you know what, you know, betting on your, there's something to be said for betting on yourself. And like, you know, the closer, the more even that they get in points here is the more he's going to think like, you know, there's, there's no,
0: there's no hierarchy in our, in our uh, garage anymore. My guy signs his contract. And immediately says, this is my time. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Checo time. It is yeah, Checo that's right. time. That's what right. are you going to do, bro? You I'm, I'm your, locked You in. got your youngest ever winner. Now it's Checo's time. <laughs> oh, my God. It's time. Um, all right. So let's get to what I think is probably the drive of the day. Um, Lewis Hamilton or the weekend. Because there was so much with Mercedes. And I think most of it involves how many shots of Tom Cruise there were on Sunday. I thought I thought Damian Lewis was going to be the MVP of the race because they had him, obviously, he was on the gridwalk. And then he stayed on, Damian Lewis stayed on to do a, like a, uh, he was just with his, on his phone taking formation lap videos. He seemed to be really into it. I don't even know if he no, has a like, No look Instagram formation video. lap videos, yeah, 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 by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> He's he really into it. And But then we 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 switched and it was just Tom Cruise all the time. And even with the crash, and again, we're going to analyze that crash here in a second. I think Tom, concerned Tom Cruise, was shown a hundred times more than anybody else involved with Formula One. It was like, well, you know, obviously Lando Norris looking on concerned, but you know who else looking on concerned? Mr. Tom Cruise. Um, He also, at the end, the reason I bring this up is he had a long chat with Lewis and Lewis's family. Afterwards, Lord knows what he was saying. Um, And I got a a birthday wish uh, to him at the end that I overheard or something like that. uh, Who knows? I I (laughs) will say this. I did get a listener question asking if Tom Cruise likes going in the paddock because it's the only place he's tall, (laughs) (laughs) which is... uh, a pretty good one. Um, That's really this, good. That's really this good. feels this feels guys like it may have been an important week for Mercedes. Now we say this every single Sunday show for the last two months. Um a couple of things. Number one,
1: I so wanted to be right in my comeback because I did have <laughs> I did have Silverston on the list of Merck wins this year.
0: And I they think were when, so close. When, Drew and when when, when when me and you were on this pod a couple weeks ago, I think we actually went overboard on on Mercedes optimism. We but did. Now, we it, did. Feels, <laughs> we now it, it, it feels it feels real. So coming into this week, uh, Mercedes boss Toto Wolff said that apparently some cars their 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 floors were flexing more than the regulations intended to allow. Um, I think that there's a little bit of like. I don't know. F one teams always break the rules. There's a little bit. It's like nil in college football. It's like wait. It's like this, It's like University of Florida. Now. It's like wait a second. Schools are paying recruits. It's like okay, okay <laughs> dude. Like that's sort there's, of how what we've been doing for I'm shocked to hear those gambling. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like any sort of rule bending, I'm always a little bit like, oh, okay, guys. Um, but uh, it feels like there's there's no bouncing. There's no porpoising. Things are getting solved there. That's that was the common refrain over the past couple of weeks. Like Mercedes is close. Mercedes is close. Mercedes is close. Mercedes is close. The pace was significant, guys, today. Yeah. Um, we didn't get to see what Russell looked like because of what happened on on the first lap. Um, but Lewis looked like he was in it. And I think if you run this race 100 times, he wins a bunch of them, Drew.
1: Well, on the on the first start of the race, he immediately picked up two positions and looked like, you know... Given the for the pace that they that he had on Ferrari later in the race, that he conceivably could have been the race leader much much earlier if we go with the uh, non crash, non red flag restart. But and then, of course, you know, toward the towards the last third of the race, he he has a chance to to win it. And uh, you know, Mercedes being Mercedes and overthinking things, went winds up sort of getting that. Getting it wrong, or it, I don't know if that if it's that, or if because he when they pitted for tires, he said something to the effect of like, did you actually put new tires on? It, it didn't <laughs> seem like uh, it, he did not feel the effect that he was expecting, and was immediately gobbled up on that restart and was in a defensive position within you know. Within the first turn, and so mm-hmm. what could have been a real come from behind wind is a solid third. but you know, the upgrades look like they've worked yeah. and and uh, perhaps they are in uh, they are in position to do some major uh, major catching up.
2: This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving but of course there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. This episode is brought to you by ArmorAll. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use ArmorAll to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, ArmorAll, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to ArmorAll's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. We have a list of questions from
0: Aaron who who mentions the upgrades and says, was this just the perfect storm of upgrades, home race, track conditions, the fact that it was Lewis's home track, or is this this real and is he a challenger going forward? What what do you think, Megan?
3: I think it's a little bit of a mixture. I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, coming into this race, Lewis even said that their car functions better on tracks like this with, you know, slightly speedier corners. And I think it allows them to be more competitive. That said, like the fact that there's no bouncing is huge. And if the car stays this fast, Lewis is always dangerous. They even said mm-hmm. on the broadcast at one point that with him coming up from behind, he looked like a shark. And I think that's actually like the most <laughs> apt comparison, not only because yeah. of car color, but just the way that he was eating time and eating into Charles's lead at one point was was really scary and the most positive takeaway for me today aside from his positioning and where he finished was we got multiple positive tire related radio messages from him which is yes. <laughs> almost I was waiting
1: for the opposite to be like okay we're we're back on track Bono my tires are leaving me okay we're we got a shot
3: we got got a shot at a podium this week it was almost too much like I was overwhelmed (laughs) by by his positivity I was like maybe just after however many weeks he's had of having to be so negative about it it was kind of a relief for him but like when he was on those first mediums it was multiple tires are good tires are good messages which was frankly shocking so
0: lot to be excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew, we haven't talked since, uh, we didn't talk this week um, about just the week that that Lewis had. And it wasn't, we didn't even get, this is not Lewis related, although, you know, Bernie has said terrible things about everybody. But even like Bernie saying, I would take a bullet for Putin. He, Bernie's ne- Bernie Eccleston, former head of F1, he's 91 years old and he can't stop talking to the media. Um, always a good combination. He was also, by the way, Like, he was a complete dickhead, like, when he was 60. So the fact that he's 91 now and giving interviews all the time about, like, I'm not even sure the context in which Putin came up in this interview. He may have volunteered it and be like, guys, Uh, I know you're asking about racing, but just give me one second. I just want to (laughs) talk about my buddy for a second. Yeah, (laughs) I got this friend in Russia who's having a really hard time. Yeah, yeah. I just want to give a shout (laughs) out. I just want to give a shout (laughs) out to my guy.
3: My support. Um, My support's (laughs) with you. (laughs) Oh, Um, man.
0: But, I mean, this was... You know, we, Luke and I, Luke Smith and I talked about this on the midweek show, but like, it seems like every couple of weeks, Lewis has to respond. And I'm talking about Nelson Piquet here to something incredibly offensive or stupid or lazy that somebody said. Um, and I, I loved Lewis's response that came out after, after the pod, our podcast went out um, in the Thursday press conferences, which was basically, why do we keep asking, like, why is Nelson Piquet on a podcast you know, thirty years after he ran an F one race to give these offensive and 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 lazy points. and obviously, platforming Bernie Eccleston, kind of the same in the same genre, although obviously um, at least Nelson can speak about the races um and 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 the driving styles and all that. He just can't do it without saying something incredibly offensive. So maybe we should stop calling him. Um Drew, what did we think about Lewis this week um and and the sort of the grace in which he always handles himself, but particularly this week? I think the most heartbreaking thing that I read this week and I can't remember if
1: it was something that he said this week or something he had said in the past but just about coming to F1 and uh with McLaren and hearing mm-hmm. that uh, one of the uh, heads of the engineering team convened a meeting basically to say to his his uh his cohorts that they could not make the kinds of jokes that they had been making in the mm. past, because this new guy is coming here. Mm. To which he was like, "What awful things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have uh. you been have you been joking about? Uh. And like, what sort of uh, hornet's nest am I stepping into?" And I just feel like I, I can remember talking to Lewis years ago, and you know, giving him a lot of credit for exactly what you said, Kevin. You know, just being so graceful and mm-hmm. so um so so conscious of of you know the problems within his sport uh, outside of his sport and being and being willing to to call attention to them to uh to offer correctives about it uh because he could just care about his on track legacy and nothing else but mm-hmm. it's just but his point is like it is it's exhausting to be this guy yeah. and it would, and, and he, he, he relishes any chance that he he can, he has to be able to uh, defer to other F1 drivers because he feels like just because he is the only clear sign of diversity within his sport at the top of his sport, that it shouldn't always fall to him to have to answer all the difficult questions. And you, yeah. know, you, you see guys like Seb and like Charles who have like stepped up uh, big time but uh, but it's still like this tremendous burden that he carries, and he and, and the fact that he uh continues to carry it, is willing to carry it and carries it with such grace, just sort of distinguishes himself from you know it may, it ranks him among the great champions in sport. I was saying I tweeted when when this all came out that like you know, apart from Bill Russell, I can't think of another right. champion another seven time champion who's had right. to put up with this kind of uh grief over the course of their
0: career, yeah. And it's interesting because you know Luke and I we talked about how sometimes there's, there's similarities between uh, that are brought up between Tiger Woods and Lewis because of the fact that they were the best in their sport certainly, but it's an overwhelmingly white sport that doesn't want to change, and the coming I mean, the damn country club system is is, is unbelievably behind everything else um, in the rest of, of the world, frankly. Um, and you know as a as a black F one fan um and someone who has written extremely good pieces about this stuff i'm curious if you could speak to just sort of um you know the fact that in both tiger and in lewis's cases it doesn't seem like there's diversity coming up behind them It so it seems to me like either um that the, the the structural problems that they faced are frankly still there drew
1: yeah well what's interesting is i love that comparison because i feel like tiger hunted uh, on diversity in some respects when he was like i'm cobbling asian whereas lewis is like even though i'm biracial like i you know like i'm i know what i represent and i know how much more i have to represent that when i when it comes to appealing to when i'm in america appealing to american fans and so forth and you know unlike you know tiger who's done you know who tried to sort of diversify his sport through, you know, his foundation and his Nike programs and things like that. I feel like the Hamilton commission is a really serious sort of broad based racing, uh, solution that he, that he, you know, it's going to take maybe a few decades for us to see, but I do think it's, it's a real thing that could have the kind of impact in racing that the Williams sisters have had in tennis now. We're like, so... Many of these, uh, you know, young girls, uh, not just of color, uh, you know, attribute, you know, say that they were their inspiration behind getting mm-hmm. into the sport. And you see how much, how how diverse the women's game has become as a result of their participation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is like 20 years on from them breaking into the sport. So I think it'll just take time. But I feel like that today's podium is like the closest that we're going to get to sort of you know, uh, real-time uh, diversity representation in sport, where you have, you know, the second ever Spanish winner, uh, the best Mexican driver in the, in the history of that country, and Lewis on a podium after the week that we had is like a is a massive statement to, to PK to say like, look, the the world, the F one world that you knew is changing and it's changing fast.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a. It's well said. Um, All right. Let's get some listener questions. They're going to cover a bunch of the things we haven't covered yet. Um, Josh Zeal asks, how much more can Ferrari screw screw (laughs) Leclerc before he cracks? So this is a great (laughs) philosophical question. So Bonotto says afterwards that they didn't have time to get both cars in. They couldn't do a double stack, whatever. And that's why they didn't end up doing it. That doesn't really make any sense. Even the Sky team that was questioning him was just like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then they said, and then they were like, "Well, we had like 11 seconds." And Bernardo was like, "Well, we felt like that wasn't enough time. Like that was." And then he also did the thing where he didn't understand what they meant by 11 seconds. So it was like a very football coachy, just like, "Hey, we just made the best decision we could possible." <laughs> but at some point, I don't think Leclerc has. Anywhere to go. I don't think that, you know, this is something Nate Saunders and I two weeks ago did. What does the 2023 grid looks like look like? And a lot of the intrigue has been taken away because the top teams are set for the foreseeable future. George yeah. is the future of Mercedes. Max is still very, very, very young, and Checo is a great number two. So even when you're looking at 2024, 2025. Um, I think we kind of know how these teams shape up. So to me, this is, this is just Leclerc just has to pray that Ferrari gets better here and better at this Meg.
3: Well, and I think the frustrating thing for him is that this has been sort of a mounting thing, right? Like in the last five races, he's finished DNF fourth, DNF fifth and fourth. So to not be on the podium now in five consecutive races after building up such a massive early lead has to be not only disheartening, but like really concerning for him. And some of that is the car. Some of that is, you know, strategy that they've taken and all of that. But unless he starts getting podiums soon, they have to Mm -hmm. really feel like they've missed out on maybe their window to turn this thing around. And unless Red Bull, you know, picks back up with their reliability issues and things like they're going to have a hell of a time trying to catch Max and Checo.
1: I think the best, well, it just sort of looks like, you know, he's going to be Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari, <laughs> yeah. uh, where he's just sort of, you know, starts out funny,
0: thinking the funny, best. Funny, and funny then how it keeps up, happening. <laughs> funny <out laughs> how it keeps happening at Ferrari. The great drivers go there and they end up plateauing. <laughs> Weird how that and, works. And then they, you know, and then just
1: ends up like laughing off these blunders of being like, Hey, well, you know, uh, my career is almost done. Like I like, I enjoy other things, but um, yeah, it just, it's, you feel for the guy because, you know, he was the championship leader and now he is, you know, through no fault of his own, just uh, sitting there hoping that the Red Bulls eat themselves so that he can have another shot to get back in this, but it doesn't look like, yeah it looks like they they blew they blew their chance and uh for a guy who was who came to that team as like their their savior and the you know the next guy after max like that really has to smart and you have to think like you know yeah like am i am i just did, did I just sign up for like you know at least three years of this like maybe <laughs>
3: well, and And it's frustrating for us too, because watching him fight with Lewis, like in that kind of three-way fight with Checo. And then once Checo got out and they were fighting for third and they were, you know, going wheel to wheel through cops and like, you know, just kind of back and forth was so amazing and just like stunning pitch, perfect driving. And for him to like keep getting screwed over by strategy stuff is so sad.
0: Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, where does this rank on exhausting sporting events, starting with the Joe crash and going to the last 10 laps? I want to start with the last 10 laps here because that to me, I don't remember in the middle, again, non, non end of last season division, which was just about the title race. I don't remember that sort of just me floating and being like, this is the sport I love at its absolute pinnacle. Drew, how did you process the end of this race? Uh,
1: man, that that sort of tie fight between Checo and, uh, and, and Lewis, uh, yeah. that would, that was just, that's, that was what it's all about. Like the, you know, the, the, the uh, the up and comers, the old lion and all, you know, it's just, it was beautiful to watch. And again, for Carlos to take a stand and say, this is my win and I'm going to go get it. And then zoom out and like build a, a huge gap and just sort of let all that stuff happen behind him. was yeah. just, it was unbelievably great. I mean, that's, that's sort of, and it's Silverstone and, you know, just the occasion and the, 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 the scenery, you know, that that as a setting for, for that to go down, was just, we didn't get sprint qualifying, but we sort of got it, And you know, yeah. at the end of the race.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. I also, by the way, I don't know if you watched the post-race, but there were like hundreds of thousands of people still there just cheering <laughs> on Lando, chanting Lewis's yeah. name. And, and Jensen Button and those guys were just like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, I've never yeah. seen the type of passion that was shown post-race where nobody was going anywhere. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a sporting event like that. People were just like, now nah, we're good. We're just going to open up a, a Heineken and just sit here and just watch Toto Wolf talk about flexible floorboards. We're all set. <laughs> like, it was it was unbelievable how into it they were. Even And this is given the standards of the fact that that's already probably the capital of Formula One as a track. Yeah. Um, it was just perfect. Uh, Meg, last 10 laps. How'd you, how'd you view it? How'd you process it?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, just a beautiful bout of driving and it really made me realize how much I missed competitive Lewis because he is, he is just one of those guys that when his car is good, like, you know, take Brazil last year or, you know, any number of races that he's ever competed, like
1: when he's,
3: yeah, when he's in a bit of machinery that can carry him to where he needs to be, he's never out of it. and yeah. It's yeah, it's it's just beautiful to watch him fight for things again. I missed it,
1: and even if it's not a perfect car, he can lift it the right, way that he right. can sort of. Uh, that's also beautiful
0: to
3: watch. Totally,
0: F one is just a beautiful thing because it's it's almost mega like golf in the sense that these guys' primes can last a little bit longer than maybe other sports, and you get to see different evolutions of them in different ways and you get to you know when rusillo got into f1 last last year he called me after the first race of the season remember that epic duel between max and and lewis and we're talking and it was just like it's like if if michael jordan got to stay in the nba and got to go against lebron james for for three, four years. And we got to see what that looked like. And it even happens with golf, right? Where you have the overlaps between Arnold Palmer and then Jack Nicholas. And you just get to see what those guys are going back and forth with each other. And and that's, what's amazing about F1 is you get Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton in the same, uh, on, on the same grid at the same time, even though they dominated totally different eras. I really like that um, about F1. And also there are different parts of their career and you get to see it and you get to say, okay, Fernando Alonso is another good example where maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it was, there was little bit time where nobody wants to
1: be stuck uh, yeah, in a exactly. battle exactly. Near exactly. him because exactly. they're like, I mean, OK,
0: we got to pit out ahead
1: of this guy or we're right. not getting back to the front. Exactly. Right. I mean,
0: it's amazing that Fernando is still on the grid 15 years after he had the most, you know, one of the a dominating season and he's still doing old man things. Right. <laughs> um, it's just it's just really incredible. And, and I just love that about seeing Lewis this year getting better every single week battling every single week in this car and i think they're going to figure it out and i think it's going to be special um all right let's talk about the crash which was scariest thing that's happened in my mind since since the Grosjean crash frankly um yeah. they didn't you saw jensen button said he's never seen a car flip over as quickly uh, an f1 car as 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 joe's and i I'm certainly I'm I'm not going to question J- Jensen Button because I haven't either. Um, mm-hmm. And you saw it if you were watching the race, you saw it flip, and then you saw no further updates. Yep. And then at the beginning, the broadcast said it, there was Russell involved. And I, you, if you saw the car, mm-hmm. it was not Russell. It was not. It, mm-hmm. it was. It was yeah. maroon and red. And I just I assumed um, it was just not. It was not Russell. Um, but there were no updates. You saw Russell get out of the car, run over there, and it was in there for a while. And then they sh- again they show the paddock, they show the concerned folks. And then the next update we get is that um, Joe Guan Yu is still in the car, which was extremely concerning. Um, and this, this had been ten minutes. The car, you know, the race had been red flagged. And you're like, what's going on here? You saw you were starting to see reports he had gone over the first barrier, um, and then you saw the actual. Damage in the crash, which you haven't seen it. If you, if you haven't seen what the car looks like from the side angle, it's really incredible. This speaks to a lot of things. Uh, number one is that I can't believe it took until 2018 for the Halo to come into Formula One. Um, and that was something, if you go back, and again, we have a lot of new listeners here, the Halo was extremely controversial when it came in because, you know, not having to go with Nikki Lauda here, but I when I was looking it up a quote earlier, they said he 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 said that if you put the halo in, it's going to ruin the spectacle of Formula One. Yep. Like uh, mm-hmm. what? And and there's a lot of that. A lot of that. Um, I mean, she, listen, he he was a second loudest voice, by the way, Roman Grosje. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. Martin Who's Brundle, life the
3: halo saved in 2020? Yeah.
0: Yes, Martin Brundle came out like. It was extremely controversial and the idea that over the last 5 years how everything would have been different if the Halo had not been introduced it is mind-boggling. Um Drew what do you think of that crash? It was so I I've been a lot,
1: a little around my share of racing and uh, it's the first time that I had seen a car crash that gathers energy and gets faster after yeah. impact in the and gravel. That was
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: And uh you know, you expect you expect a, a deceleration, but I don't expect to see an F1 car flip multiple t- an F1 car that is designed to stick to the ground flip once let alone like barrel roll and then jump the tire barrier yeah. which again is designed to absorb a skidding F1 car. So jump the uh jump the tire barrier and hit the the interior catch fence. Mm-hmm. So there's like one catch fence, and then another catch fence that is that separates the track from the spectators. And I'm thinking like, you know, when this happened in Le Mans in 1955, yes. and a Mercedes went into the uh, into the stands, it nearly killed uh, the sport of F1. After five yes. years, Mercedes totally backed out of the sport for 40 years. Did not did not race yeah. for 40 years. Um, so between the spectator thing and this crash like we could be sitting here talking about like is there a future of F1 after after Silverstone. So the fact that uh and then then the suspense of not seeing a replay which yes was, you know as uh, as you know NFL people like I'm I'm yeah. glad that I didn't have to see this crash yeah. like 500 times but at the same time when we get into the tenth minute, I'm like, yeah. is he alive? Is he okay? Yes. Like how serious this?" it's like, was it's this like the soccer
0: when when someone has when someone goes down in the soccer field and they just show like wide crowd shots and you're just like yeah. oh, oh it was a little yeah. bit like that. it's like either a streaker
1: or something, some some horrific <laughs> right. injury that I that I right. don't want to see. But the fact that he was fine, not only fine, but like around after the race talking yeah. to people. Yes. It's just like this 20 pound hoop that they said would have like a 17% chance of like improving uh, the fatality risk in a car (laughs) is like batting a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it is amazing that it is as controversial as it is, as it was, because it's literally like, you know, we had it, we had an incident in F2 like the day before that could have been a fatality that the halo saved. So it's like this this like basic piece of tech is, is, uh, is a miracle worker. It's, 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 you know, it's really like appropriately named, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's I I can't believe that, you know, it's yet another crash that that an F1 driver is able to walk away from, you know, relatively unscathed.
0: Megan.
3: Yeah. Um, it was a really scary time. I, the first shot that I saw of it was, you know, live as they're going around following the race leaders around the corner. And you just in the background, see this upside down car that looked like it was on fire, kind of skidding across the gravel behind, behind the scene. And yeah. And to not see, um, another replay of it was for the best. And I understand why Sky did it and to not, you know, try to speculate about the crash or to show too much. But even when, you know, when Mick Schumacher got in that qualifying crash earlier this year I still felt like we saw you know sort of a wide shot of what was going on so it was a little bit jarring um that said super happy that he is okay um I also guess we should probably talk about Alex Albon who was involved in yes sort of a related crash to this after this whole situation went down in front of him he had to slam on the brakes Sebastian Vettel ran into the back of him. He turned and ran into the pit wall and, uh, was flown via helicopter eventually Mm -hmm. to a hospital to get checked out. I don't know if you guys have seen any update on that. They said
0: said that was just a, for, for precautionary reasons. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the halo thing, that's, you know, Roman Grosjean in 2020, even Lewis last year when, uh, in Monza when Max's tire yeah. bounced off yeah, of his head, landed um, on his
1: head, <laughs>
3: literally on his head, he had tire marks on his helmet. Um, yeah. and now this, like, even if that was, you know, the limit to all of this, like completely worth it. Um, just, a super, super important feat of engineering. And yeah, so glad that it's part of F1.
0: There's a, element with a halo of a bit of like 80s NBA players going on first take and saying these guys couldn't play in my era kind of thing where it was just <laughs> yeah. like I remember after you're talking about the the Max tire going on to Lewis um and onto the halo I th- I think it was Martin Brundle was talking about how like Senna went up on his shoulder once and he mm-hmm. revved revved and was like oh yeah well, yeah it was, it was touch and go there for a while it's like okay just because you had that doesn't mean <laughs> Lewis needs a tire on his shoulder, okay? Right? We don't necessarily need that we've We've progressed beyond tires on shoulders, hopefully right. that's that's my that's my hope for for f one
1: It's um but it's yeah. like
3: it's like old football and hockey players too, who complain when helmets were introduced. Yeah, like, yeah, why, yeah why is yeah. safety the bad a yeah.
0: yeah. mask
3: right. Yeah. Right. someone sent
0: me a tweet Someone sent me a tweet meg um about hockey. They're saying like it's the old debate about in hockey in the seventies, which was, do we want cracked skulls or do we want, or is it more important to just have flowing mullets? Because there <laughs> yep. were some guys who chose the mullets. Okay. Yeah, and the cracked I mean, skulls
3: <laughs> to each their own, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. tax more you, have to important to you to pay
0: to being yeah. Craig McTavish down there and letting those locks fly. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess he was more curly. Um, all right. Next question. This is from Palm tree Peep. Did Mick save his seat with that P8, Drew? I don't know. And
1: I, I was I was critical on
0: this podcast
1: of, of Mick calling him uh Bronny James uh without <laughs> Bronny James in the NBA with who yeah. hasn't gotten like a a, 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 yeah. a double digit uh, yeah. hasn't had Hornet. a double digit scoring game yet.
0: Twenty twenty six Hornet seventh man Bronny James era. I'm <laughs> exactly, I'm
1: ready. ready. Exactly, but uh, but to see the way uh, the Haas uh, box went nuts for him yeah. and uh, like it's clear like. He is, he's gutting it, you know, he's trying his hearts out, his guts out. And, uh, and, you know, like these last, like what, three, four uh, races, he's come, he's been right there, right at the cut line. So actually for him to get P eight is like, you know, he didn't just get it. Like he, he almost got P seven, like the wheel to wheel battles. Yeah. with Max really showed like, you know, this kid's here for a reason. Like he can, he can hang. Yeah.
0: Meg. Mick, the Mick era begins.
3: The Mick era begins. Uh, I certainly hope so. I I too have been critical of him after uh missing out on points finishes recently. And and I don't want to um take anything away from him. I will just note that six people did not finish the race today. So <laughs> that, that, that just, also
1: did that just also throwing did that it. out there.
3: Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Uh but no, I'm happy for him. He, you know, obviously finished better than his teammate, Kevin Magnuson, which is exciting. He was battling yeah. Max at the end, also exciting. Um, and I, I think it's just important for him to kind of have gotten over this first hump. And hopefully yeah. that means that, you know, without that sort of psychological block or whatever, um, that this becomes a more regular thing for him. But yeah, just a really exciting day for him. Exciting day for Haas overall to have two drivers finishing the points too.
1: Yep. He, needs, he needed to be able to say that he scored more F1 points in a Haas than a Nikita Mazepin. And now he can
0: Now he can <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Mazepin! Um, very, very, very quick question from Ben: Who at Ferrari is getting fired? The answer is no one. This is a, yeah. a bug. <laughs> yeah, we just. Um,
3: Italian BD,
0: BD asks: Was this Latifi's Super Bowl? Our boy gets into Q three. Tim Haraney. <laughs> from TSN was on this podcast with a very spirited defense of Latifi a couple weeks ago. Got a lot of heat. We were taking on a lot of water (laughs) after the, after the post Latifi is good pod. Um, He made a little bit of a statement this week, Meg.
3: Can I just say, so when he was in Q3 on Saturday, I saw a tweet and I forget who it was from. If it was like WTF one or like one of those things. Uh Um, And it, it was about midway through Q3 and they were like, Latifi only needs to make up 43 seconds to get P1 because he was <laughs> that far behind everyone yeah. else in, in the time trials. and It was wet and everything, and I, I get it, but I w- I will never forget that tweet. I was like, he just... He, no matter what he does, he will always be the guy who crashes out of nowhere to me. Like, with him being at 10th today, I fully thought he was going to be the one to set off some sort of domino effect of, of bad things in the midfield.
0: Drew, I take it if you were if you were Williams and you were already thinking of a uh, Oscar Piastri move that this weekend didn't change your mind all that much. No, I probably got another check,
1: uh, this week. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good on the, on the, on the pay driver situation. If, uh, you know, if, if it keeps the program going, yep. I guess. Cool. And you know, like full marks, he, he did the most with, with the least, uh, out of the drivers this week. And so, um, yeah you know he, he he uh he he lives to uh race and get get clowned by us on twitter and other
0: things <laughs> um just
1: <laughs> not don't a check bad twitter. gig to
3: be yeah. honest
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yep. Yeah. i
3: would
0: take it it's a billion it's like one of those things like would you live in this house for a hundred million dollars but you can't use your phone for a year it's like, <laughs> would, would you like to be a billionaire formula one driver but every time you go on twitter us broke idiots or calling are calling you a bad driver. Like that's yeah. that's, that's a trade. I, yeah. I know which side of that, uh, of, of that divide I'd like to be on. Um, yeah. and it's not the yeah. one I'm currently on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's just wrap up here. Um, driver of the day for you guys. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's, that's
3: an interesting question. Uh, so I know Checo got voted driver of the day and I'm happy for him in that front. I kind of want to say Lewis. Like not because mm, yeah. I was surprised at all by what he did, but because I felt like it was finally, you know, the kind of confident performance that I've been missing from him. Yeah. So he this, might this, he might this, be my this pick. was
0: the first this was the first race where I thought he was going to win for even a second, which says
1: something.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: Drew, uh, I'm also going
1: to go Lewis just for the uh, the three wide battle and and to uh, and to finish third after the crazy week that he had if you like it you know a lot of a lot of guys could not do that and the, the fact that he could have also maybe won but did that is you know just why this guy is totally a legend
0: all right we're going to austria next that'll probably be more suitable for red bull is there any any carlos sainz momentum anybody excited about carlos sainz going forward anybody got sainz fever no. <laughs> no. Okay.
3: No. <laughs> I'm happy for him, but no. <laughs> He's uh right. I, I feel like I feel like, you know, between wet qualifying, which he is, you know, that was like my one takeaway from Drive to Survive with him yeah. this was his brother just shouting about how good he was in wet weather. <laughs> um I feel like things, you know, kind of broke the way they were supposed to for him this weekend.
0: Didn't yeah. Drive to Survive also have a mazepin is good in wet weather scene? Sure. Is that yeah. it was, it do was, Is
3: that their cope? It was Russia specifically, and it was yeah. because he knew how Russian clouds worked and yes. could anticipate when to put on what tires. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. It was yeah. wild. It's, it's yeah. the
0: dry that he really struggles for, for traction. <laughs> it's just
1: it's, you know,
3: it's everything. Else.
0: And outside of Russia,
2: <laughs> yeah. outside of yeah. Russia. any other
0: country, yeah. any other any other weather system, it's a mess. But when those Russian yeah. clouds kick in, you're going to want Mazepin in that cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> He's your man. <laughs> all right um we got our court ordered Mazepin references in um mazapin jokes our quota has been met um guys this is great thank you to erica cervantes for her help drew megan thank you for joining me we'll be back i think on wednesday before austria and obviously we'll have a post austria show next week this has been the ringer f1 show on the ringer podcast network